Hello there. This is Jolie Bindo from the Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi podcast. You're listening to the Old Republic podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating review, and Brian and Cassia will feature it on the pod. Now, enjoy the show, and may the Force be with you, always. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. This is where the fun begins. Hello there. Before we dive into this episode, Brian and I, we wanted to thank Daniel Hodge for joining us at the level of Jedi Padawan on our Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, love our patrons over on Patreon. And uh, thank you very much, Daniel Hodge, for your support. It means a lot to us. And uh, hopefully uh, have some more good content coming your way. So thank you again. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Hello there, everyone. Today we are talking about the Kenobi of it all. And today we are joined by our Dune consultant who also <laughs> moonlights as our, uh, I guess, what do you call it? Like mythic storytelling or Joseph Campbell school of mythic structure consultant. Like, <laughs> what, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that those titles are are just and warranted for uh, this week's guest for sure. Yeah. So, how are you doing, uh, Plo Cool, aka Pete? <laughs> I am doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It's it's always fun to have you on. And uh, today we are talking Kenobi, and I, I think it's going to be a fun episode and. There were there were six episodes on Disney Plus. I think originally it was going to be eight, but I'm kind of glad it's six. So then the episode will be our episode will probably be maybe a little bit shorter than it uh, could have been. But uh, what did you guys kind of think Kenobi was going to be going into it? Um, so going into it, I always was expecting the. Once they well, once they announced Vader, I kind of had an idea of where it was going. Um, it wasn't going to be the more introspective journey in the desert type story that I initially wanted when it was announced. Um, so going into it, I, I yeah, I was expecting kind of the more uh, you know they were advertising it a rematch of the century type thing so i was i was kind of putting my expectations a little lower um i was still excited but i wasn't getting my hopes up yeah for me when they they first announced it i mean and this is a project that they've been talking about for you know a super long time i kind of like you i thought it was going to be kind of this this you know this big uh not big, you know, this this really kind of small story of Obi-Wan Kenobi um, in the desert, uh, hanging out, uh, you know, really, really introspective. And then, yeah, they announced the Darth Vader stuff and, and you kind of, you know, kind of assumed where it was going to go. Um, and, you know, kind of at the at the start of, well, not at the start of the show necessarily even, but I was like, ah, I really want this this kind of introspective story about that. And 
we'll go through kind of the, the individual episodes a, a little bit. And I, I think that we got enough of that because after seeing what we did get, looking back on it now, I don't know how you would you would do a series of of that, um, you know, something super introspective. Um, and Cassie and I talked about, you know, Ewan McGregor in Last Days in the Desert. It was uh, a Patreon episode we'd released. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can find that on our uh, Patreon page uh, down on the show notes. Um but yeah, I think, I think like you, yeah, I thought it was going to be kind of this this introspective, like, you know, just kind of character study on what Obi Wan was going through. And I think I think that this show uh, kind of gave us that enough of it, and you know, took it in this different direction, which I think ultimately, uh, at least for me, uh, worked out better in terms of a story to tell. Uh, but what about you, Cassie? I know that um, this was something uh, we were both both pretty excited about it. But what were what were your thoughts? You know, kind of leading up to this thing for you know, the last however many years now it's it's been that they've been uh, touting it. Yeah, I mean, I think I was excited, but a little bit uh, nervous. I mean, I think Kenobi, this series, had as much expectations going for it, like, maybe as the prequels did. Because um, mm-hmm. even at the end of the prequels and, like, when Disney bought Star Wars, everyone's like, Ewan McGregor's still around, like do Kenobi, do Kenobi. And like Ewan McGregor's like, yeah, it's not happening, not happening. But it's like, he was like, I had to lie to everyone. And it was kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know with Kenobi. Um, I didn't read the novel until this year, but I was kind of expecting like a, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, like navel gazing. It's kind of like when someone's like contemplating to themselves, you know, like, kind of staring mm-hmm. like at their at their tummy like kind of like deep in thought you know it's like so I was kind of expecting like a navel gazing like contemplative character examination a la the uh Kenobi novel by uh Miller you know uh mm-hmm. but then uh, Darth Vader was announced in like rematch of the century and I'm like oh I'm kind of, like, getting a little nervous because, like, I kind of just worry, like, I mean, it's still Star Wars, it's still an adventure, you know, but, like, I think in episode 56 we kind of critiqued Luke's hallway scene in season two of The Mandalorian, like, I'm just kind of worried, like, it's just, like, in some ways that Star Wars is just going to be, like, not really, like, a philosophical kind of fairy tale but kind of just like epic hallway scenes you know but uh I think like reading the Kenobi novel prepared me more for like uh an ensemble work where like Kenobi isn't necessarily the focus Mm -hmm. like the main like not everything is about him but it's kind of like the characters are like involved and cross his path, you know? So I think reading that really helped me kind of let go of expectations of just like everything being about Kenobi and Anakin slash Vader. And it was a bit of an adjustment to not be on Tatooine, but like at this point, like I'm, I, I don't know, maybe I'm tattooed out, you know, when I'm mm. like, I can take a break from these places, you know, so. I think it would have, like I kind of alluded to, I think I think it would have been hard to tell an entire story of, 
you know, just, uh, just him, you know, self-reflecting, uh, in the desert, um, without any sort of, any sort of conflict. And I, I think that bringing Darth Vader into it, you know, it's something that, that a lot of fans wanted to see. He was excited to have, um, you know, Hayden back as, as Anakin. And I think if you think about it in the, in the scope of, of the galaxy, I guess, you know, Darth Vader would have every resource in the galaxy at his hands. So, um, in a lot of ways it makes sense that they eventually, you know, would have crossed paths or he would have found him. So I think that, uh, the story did a really good job of kind of, kind of setting that up and, and giving us that story and, and the way that it turned. And, you know, once we learned that Darth Vader was going to be involved, you know, what can take Obi-Wan off of Tatooine? Uh, the obvious answer was Leia. There wasn't really anything else that was going to get him to leave watching over, over Luke. And, and that's the story that we got. And uh, Deborah Chow uh, gave it to us. And I thought that she did an excellent job in terms of, of the directing of this. But uh, why don't we, do we want to kind of go through the, we don't have to, you know, get into like the nitty gritty of each of them, but do we want to go uh, kind of through the episodes a little bit, Cassia, and uh, just kind of talk about, you know, kind of kind of some highlights or some some main kind of plot points of those? Uh, sure. Do you have a list pulled up? Uh, yeah. So I've got just kind of the uh, the episode list here, and uh, if you go off of the Disney Plus uh, descriptions of the episodes, they are real, real vague. So part <laughs> one: when agents of the Empire pose a new threat. Obi-Wan Kenobi emerges after years of hiding. So uh, we pick up with uh, Obi-Wan. He's working uh, as some sort of like a meat processing uh, facility. Uh, he is super broken, uh, super sheepish, very meek. Uh, you can just kind of see, you know, where he's at mentally uh, having to live this life of seclusion. Um, and, you know, that, that story kind of leaves us there with him in that mindset and he gets the, the distress call from bail uh something bad has happened um and he needs some help and you know obi-wan is real reluctant to go help him but you know kind of getting the story uh set up uh cassia pete um you know the the first episode you turn it on uh, we got the first two episodes you know that that first day but but you turn it on you see the state of obi-wan kenobi you see the way the show looks we you know we meet the inquisitors we meet uh leia um as a child um where you see the Organas again, uh, which was great. But what were kind of your initial impressions, I guess, then? You know, we, ha- we had, our, we had our, our kind of thoughts going into the show, but once, once you actually started to see it, what were your, what were your kind of first takeaways from, from the story and the way they set it up? I think my favorite episodes were the beginning, the very first one and the very last one. Uh, and... It just seemed like they kind of had a bit more of a budget and uh, sometimes just the lack of a budget and like kind of like cost saving measures like were a little bit distracting in the other episodes. Just when you're kind of used to like Star Wars and like the Mandalorian looks like a miniature movie. It was kind of like, wow, like Kenobi has... Not as big of a budget, and I know I shouldn't, like, it should be more about the characters, but I'm like, it, it kind of did, like, draw me. Like, I was like, Alderaan kind of feels a bit like uh, a golf course, you know? Like, they're <laughs> filming this on the outskirts of, like, a country club, you know? And I think it should, like, look more like a, a painting, you know? But I don't know. I, um... Kind of my first impressions were I thought, like, 
episode one was really great. Um, but I also think there's because this move this show went through so many stages of development where it was a film a trilogy now we found out yesterday it was actually first conceived as a trilogy of films which i was surprised um and then it turned into a show and then when it was the show the screenwriter was replaced and then they just there you can tell there's so many different voices so like the first episode really hossein amini i think that um excuse me if i mispronounce his name i think that's how you say it um who wrote the film Drive with Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could tell that his script was used, I think, for the first episode. Because like in Drive, you kind of just see Obi-Wan live his life with no dialogue. Um, and it's a very visual show-not-tell type of thing where you just kind of like see him operate as a human in this part of his life and i think it's done very well um and then it's really kind of jarring though when you introduce the leia aspect because and then it's just like oh here's the the contrast between i think um hossein amini he said he wanted it to be more like a book of job type story huh um and Apparently, I don't think uh, Lucasfilm wanted that. And I think no. what, what actually I think what happened, I think Mandalorian has a huge influence on this show is because yeah. they, wanted, they wanted another child and father figure um, show. Um, they saw Mandalorian and say, oh, let's bring that dynamic into Kenobi. And also you look at Bad Batch with Hunter and Omega. Um kind of the adoptive even though obi-wan doesn't necessarily have a father he is does serve that very kind of parental figure in the show he's a guardian um and star wars has been doing a lot of that lately (laughs) um so kind of like first the first two episodes were there's things i really liked and then there's just things i had to get uh get kind of used to and also, the production quality was a major disappointment for me as well. Um, I thought um, Disney, I think, cut some serious corners using the pandemic as an excuse to be lazy. Yeah. Um, um, it's because I mean I won't ever say you can't. You, the pandemic wasn't didn't disrupt production and make things more difficult, but also it's an easy cop out for uh, for a mega corporation not to spend money. Um, yeah so i think it's disappointing because i think kenobi should have been the most cinematic show of all of them and i think it was the least cinematic show yet yeah which is unfortunate and i guess like i'm kind of more like i would love kind of like a book of job or like see how much like kenobi has suffered and like how he kind of rises above it we got shades of it but like Maybe not perhaps to the extent I was wanting, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, but it's, there were moments I loved in every episode and I can tell like the characters and like 
kind of just really good subtle moments like where Obi-Wan looks at Leia and says like uh, kind of alludes like Leia reminds me so much of Padme and sometimes that hurts you know and I was like that's a good moment like maybe sometimes I'm just like not sold on every moment but there were there were moments in every episode that I, I really liked but like kind of seeing the beginning episode and the end episode those were my favorites and I really love the character of Reva. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the very first episode, it did, it was kind of jarring, unfortunately, like just because like of the uh, tragic and, and terrible events that happened that week, like no one w- could have really foreseen that like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that would have happened, but it just kind of just in my mind just drew parallels and like, when someone kind of explains, like, we want to do Order 66 flashbacks, that's kind of like, I'm like, what? Do we need to see that? Like, uh, for me, it just kind of draws those parallels. Um, But I think later on, kind of throughout the series, you kind of see how it impacted Reva. And, like, statistically, like, there probably could have been a survivor, you know, of order 66 like and just like reva she's kind of a foil for anakin for sure like she kind of is a child who's kind of uh abandoned you know and like kind of just doesn't know how to deal with uh her anger and grief constructively and, like, kind of ends up broken, and, like, but then, like, when she confronts Luke, she kind of sees herself, and that was a very, in my mind, Campbellian moment, and I loved Reva, and I think everyone should love Reva. Maybe that didn't happen, but, like, maybe, like, a lot of people's perspective on the Kenobi show, like, it depends on if you're able to like kind of let go of like your expectations of it being about Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Vader and like uh, letting it be an ensemble show. Yeah. And I think, I think that having the ensemble portion of it is important because I, how else are you going to sort of highlight and emphasize and explore uh, the way that Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, you know, Ben Kenobi at this point, um, is really feeling in these uh, situations, you know, other than just having him uh, self-monologue how how sad he is. How do you really kind of explore it and how do you vocalize it and how do you kind of express it on film? Um, it, some, of the, some of the way that the show looked was better than other shows, I will say. Um, I mean, you have... You know, I guess it's it's kind of a double edged sword, right? You're you're trying to do all this stuff on on the volume and uh, you know get get quick turnarounds. So so you know it's it's nice to have all of this content coming out. Um, could it look better? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, Stranger Things season four looks fantastic, but it might bankrupt Netflix and it took four years to make. So uh, I don't. You know, it's it's one of those things that you have to kind of take with a grain of salt, I guess. If you if we're expecting now to get these shows, you know. Uh, every every year, every couple of years, then I think that that's just something that 
you know, we're going to have to have to kind of lean into and uh, learn to live with if if we want to keep exploring this world with the uh, the kind of quantity that we're that we're getting at, at this point. But but yeah, I, the the story gets off. Um, I really liked kind of the the writing and things. I really liked kind of the introduction of the Inquisitors. You could definitely tell that Deborah Chow's done a bunch of. Uh, you know, television directing that's that's very talky, very like dialogue uh, driven. Uh, she's done like Mr. Robot. She's done Better Call Saul, which are excellent in there. And that kind of gets us, you know, kicked off onto through part one and into part two now where uh, Obi-Wan is going off world on a dangerous crime ridden world. Obi-Wan becomes a target. That is our, uh, you know, description from Disney on uh, that one. Uh, but basically he's, he's going to find Leia. He, she has been kidnapped by uh, one of the members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, and he is going to uh, find her and get her back. What, what did you think, Pete? We're uh, headed off of Tatooine. Uh, what'd you, what'd you think about, think about that direction, I guess? Um, I thought uh, Dayu was a was a cool location to explore. I I kind of um, as you were saying earlier, I think using Leia to get him off planet was probably the only way you could really do it. Um, and I thought Dayu was was a cool place to explore, and I kind of liked the more. Um, Attack of the Clones vibe, Underworld. Mm -hmm. And actually how... That's actually one thing about the show I really like is each episode um, mirrors the first six episodes or films. Um, Star Wars films. How So like, first one is The Phantom Menace. Second one, Attack of the Clones. Here kind of more Obi-Wan going the investigator like he does in, in episode two. Um, so I kind of, I liked how they did that. And I, I thought the environment was cool. Again, I thought, uh, production quality of Dayu itself was a little disappointing, but, um, it was cool to see mm -hmm. Obi-Wan back in action kind of as that, uh, the investigator. Yeah. I mean... If I had to choose someone in the Star Wars prequels to be a detective, I'm like, Obi-Wan, no one else, you know? <laughs> uh, but we did have a message uh, from one of our patrons, uh, the Gabe Young, uh, who says, I'd argue in line with my argument about how each episode plays off of the original six Skywalker films and argue that Reva is supposed to represent Anakin's journey mm. and Obi-Wan seeing Anakin and Reva. From episode one, we see child Reva akin to how we saw Jake Lloyd Anakin and how she grew up. Episode two, we saw her anger come out with capturing Leia akin to Anakin, letting his anger out. Episode three, it's Anakin's fall and Reva's own descent in breaking the code she grew up with to save lives and use compassion. Episode four, Anakin Vader's plans get thwarted by Obi-Wan's influence akin to Reva's plan getting thwarted. Episode 5, Anakin's truth of being Luke's father came out akin to Reva's truth of being the youngling and explored the descent to darkness. And then finally, episode 6 is their atonement episode. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely see uh, a lot of, you know, kind of those those parallels there for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, as, as you know, you get through the story, you see ob the obvious kind of um, parallels between Anakin and 
Reva and the way that they are kind of processing uh, their emotions. And, you know, they kind of get to to the end of the story and, you know, they're at kind of the same crossroads and uh, Anakin becomes Darth Vader and uh, Reva chooses uh, the path of um, compassion and uh, redemption. So, yeah, I, I definitely see a lot of those uh, parallels there. So uh, thanks for sending that in, Gabe. But what about you, Pete? Any any other uh, kind of comments or notes on that one? Oh, no, I, I totally agree. I think uh, I was seeing those parallels to from Reva and Anakin from the beginning. It just kind of seemed pretty obvious what they were doing with her character and how she's kind of supposed to mirror his journey throughout the show, which is why, again, I think she's an integral part of the show um, and ties very closely to both Anakin and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan on a personal level. So people people have been voicing their critiques of the character, but I think she's a a pretty integral part part of the show and is written very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and part two does does a couple of things that are really important for the story. I mean it, it gets um Ben Kenobi to uh, tap back into the force. Um, you know, something that he's uh, you know, kind of pushed down for a decade um so, uh, so that's important and then obviously you have uh, reva at the end of the episode um basically you know <laughs> bombshell uh, anakin is darth vader um you know kind of breaking that news to obi-wan so now he has kind of yeah this this new news that's changed like his whole paradigm of what he's been you know doing and going through for the last 10 years and you know kind of all of the all of the time before and you know he's having to look at at his failure now through a new light and what that means, what that means for the galaxy, what that means for him um, as a master and a mentor, uh, what it means for, uh, you know, Luke and Leia, um, all that stuff. So I think that that's really important. I think that it was very impactful that, that she kind of knew that truth and um, exposed it to him and uh, leaves him in a really, you know, kind of dark place going into, into the uh, third part here, um, you know, kind of our, kind of our, our lowest point we get to uh, with Obi-Wan in the series. Part three, Obi-Wan searches for allies as he attracts the attention of the Empire, threatening the locals. Um, part three, we know who Darth Vader is now. Uh, what, do, what do you think about uh, part three? We're, we're going, we're hiding, we meet uh, a couple of new characters uh, here, um, you know, including uh, Tala, uh, who's amazing, um, going to be an ally. Um, uh, but but what do you think uh, going into into kind of this uh, third act here? Um, I thought uh, I thought this was a, it was a good episode. Um, I liked um, with at the very beginning with the character uh, Freck, um, who's the Imperial sympathizer. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was a a cool touch to see that not you know not some of these citizens are very much for the empire um, and are very loyal to it. And even though they're just kind of, you know, they're your everyday people. Um, and I thought that, w- that was a, that was an interesting touch to it. I loved the little conversation that um, Leia and Obi-Wan had on, that transport um, kind of discussing 
uh, Leia's parents and all that. I thought that was a, a good touch. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was this was a good way of bringing in Vader, how they did it. Um, kind mm-hmm. of more of that, uh, that Rogue One to be feared Vader. He's um, just kind of completely consumed by anger type of thing. Um, is very menacing. I thought that was um, done well. I thought the little the rematch they had was um, a little awkward. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the the choreography struggled there, I, and I think it was it was intentional to be because obviously Obi Wan was doing everything in his power to avoid being a Jedi. There, like he just did not want to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, is only acting out of self-defense and which is actually a very Jedi thing at that moment, but he, he he's very out of touch with the force and everything. Um, but I thought the choreography, like the, the single handed hacking by Vader was a little awkward. Um, but overall I thought, I thought it was a good way of bringing back Vader and it, it being a, a strong character moment for Obi-Wan and yeah. Not, mm-hmm. They didn't immediately go into. I actually appreciated the restraint that it wasn't immediately like this epic duel, right? Episode three, like we're going to give them an epic duel here, and then we're going to give them another one at the finale. Like I thought they did it very well, but it was limited and actually kind of uh, visceral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they did a really good job. Yeah. Of of you know kind of maintaining that. The Obi Wan is still still broken, still very reluctant. I don't know how they got the lightsabers to be as bright as they were. That was insane. <laughs> it it looked amazing. Bright. I thought. But uh, what about you, Cassia? Um, uh, part three. What are what are some uh, highlights or takeaways or um, anything to add there on part three here? Uh, just seeing like Vader like want to drag Obi Wan through the fire. Like wanted him to suffer. Uh, he wasn't just wanting just to end him. He just wanted to make him feel maybe a fraction of what he feels, you know, like in his walking coffin because he was burned, you know, in like symbolically in hell. And I was like, ooh, wow, that's just brutal, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be dragged through a fire, so... Yeah, yeah. I also don't want to be dragged through a fire. Yeah, I don't definitely. Think anyone does, but you know. <laughs> it, it it definitely yeah, kind of goes goes to his mindset, right? He's he doesn't even want to kill Obi Wan. He just wants to wants to make him suffer, and um, you know, kind of a, kind of at the end, obviously, uh, you know, Vader could have could have gotten him and and done that. But I think that that now for for Vader, it's it's just a game to see you know how much kind of emotional uh, <laughs> trauma he can put obi-wan through now to make him suffer and and the way that that he did um one of my one of my favorite parts from the whole series was in this episode at the very beginning when they're they're on the the spaceship heading out and uh, you get obi-wan talking to leia uh, about the force and what it feels like that felt um you know like something like straight out of the high republic kind of the way he's describing it that's something they do a lot in the uh, high republic books and i like that part a lot um and something is kind of a show not tell kind of a thing is Leia's uh, braid falls down at the beginning of the episode. Um, so she has kind of this braid, um, you know, a la like a Padawan braid as Obi-Wan's now kind of leading her through and she's learning more about the force. I thought that that was, that was pretty cool. I, 
Um, so I thought that that was great. And then, yeah, obviously all the stuff on that transport with the, the empire was, you know, very, very high stress and, and very great. And then I loved the, the character of Tala. I thought she was a great addition. Um, I liked seeing, you know, like, like an Imperial kind of going good and this, and we get, you know, obviously the stuff with, uh, Ned B and going through, um, you know, kind of this, uh, little underground passage where, you know, they're kind of, you know, shuffling Jedi through trying to, to keep them hidden and, you know, get some good callbacks, uh, there, but yeah, part three, I thought was really good. I thought it was a really good kind of introductory or introduction back to Vader and Obi-Wan. And then starting off on, uh, part four, you get the nice kind of, uh, duality of, uh, Obi-Wan in the back to tank and, uh, Vader, um, in his own back to tank as we get set off on part four obi-wan kenobi plots a daring mission into enemy territory we are headed to the uh fortress in inquisitoris is that what it's called i don't know the inquisitor's fortress uh, castle thing it's like latin or something star wars latin <laughs> if they have it's, it it's latin for for ocean tower and that's where we're going if you've played fallen order uh you've already been there uh you know the way that it looks and it looks a lot like that so it's pretty good for fans of of that game to get to see it but uh, the rescue mission now is on, Pete. Uh, what do you think? Part four, um, highlights, lowlights, anything? Uh, what What were your um, thoughts Thoughts here uh, going into this one? You know, I don't dislike this episode as many others do. Um, I actually think kind of going as we were saying in episode three, Obi-Wan is doing everything he can to not be a Jedi. He's running away from that part of his life. Um and this episode, you this is the first time he's been in action as a as a Jedi for ten years. And he kind of embraces it a bit more, you know, he's fighting stormtroopers, he's uh preventing water breaking through a crack in the glass in the fortress, and then he uses it to drown a bunch of stormtroopers and like it's very you can tell he's just kind of getting back into touch with the Jedi master of old, but he's very, um, he's still kind of, it's those awkward movements. Even when he's hacking stormtroopers, he's not totally deformed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was an important episode to show him, um, kind of back in form. Yeah. But I think, so I appreciated the episode on that level, but I do think it kind of retreaded some, steps um with episode two of you know rescuing leia again <laughs> um yeah. and wasn't it was a, it was a short episode and it kind of just felt it felt like yeah there because it, it's the middle episode it was also just kind of like uh buying time until the final two i would i'm never use the word filler um so I wouldn't call it that, but it was more of uh, a tra uh, transitionary episode. Um, I liked more more Tala, um, but I did I did I did think it uh, it could have had a little more Vader because um, at the beginning you get that stuff with you know Obi Wan and uh, Vader in the back to tanks and contrasting the two. But I actually think this probably 
when they're in the tanks, it probably would have been a good time for some more flashbacks. I, not just for the sake of nostalgia or anything, but I think if you're... Mm-hmm. You had some time to do it in this episode, and I don't think they took advantage of some of the time they had. Yeah, I was a bit weirded out how, like, Obi-Wan's grand plan is, like, I'm gonna, like, really obscure this child in this coat really well. And, like, by really <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, there's a 10-year-old Leia, I'm pretty sure, right there, and, like, just kind of put on a hat. Um, I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, but like it was chaotic there. There were alarms going off. People didn't know what was going on. Just just uh, slipping through. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, they could have been like, hey, you're small. Like, why don't we put you in like an astromech droid, like empty it out and we just like push you along and like say like it's maintenance or something. I don't know. But um, I was like, OK, cool. Um, were there... Where were the Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and Anakin, like, kind of pre-Attack of the Clones uh, flashbacks? Were those in 5 and 6, or did, did those start in 4? No, those were in 5, I believe. Yep. 5. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, if you can't tell, I, I, I have thoughts about that. But, um, yeah, Episode 4, it's a little bit of a retread with Episode 2, like you say, the the setting was interesting. It's kind of cool to see like an underwater fortress, like kind of look a little eerie, you know, not like a cool Gungan city, you know, it's kind of like, this is evil, you know, it's an evil sea creature looming over <laughs> you, uh, kind of like a Leviathan, but um I mean, I'm just trying to make Manon happen, but it's probably <laughs> not going to happen. But, um, but yeah, episode four, I don't hate it as much as others, but it kind of just felt like a, a retread and maybe like a, I don't know, is mistread a word or like they didn't quite hit the footprints where they should have, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I am with P. I would never say that something is filler necessarily, but it felt a little bit tacked on. Um, and I, there are good reasons for that. They wanted to get to this to this fortress at some point and show it. They wanted to show uh, kind of that I, that tomb, like that catacomb of the of the Jedi. They wanted all of that to be to be seen, to be put on screen, but um, none of that stuff really felt like it would have fit in with any of the other episodes so this kind of got turned into to its own thing but yeah i mean there's still a lot of a lot of really cool stuff there um you know seeing uh, obi-wan you know kind of come back in tune with the force was great um uh tala is awesome you know the way she is kind of handling uh the imperial officers um and things there um and yeah i mean that's that's really about all you all you can say about it i mean it is is just kind of there for the sake of of getting this stuff on screen but but i really liked it you know rest in peace wade uh he had to had to take one uh <laughs> there um some of the stuff looked looked awesome um some of the stuff looked you know not quite as good but it was fun to see um obi-wan kind of swimming in and sneaking around uh like we like we saw in a new hope right so there's our parallel to a new hope but and phantom but they do. menace because he and had fa- those aqua breather thingies and right? the and the, and the aqua breather that's mm-hmm. right that's right um but you know nonetheless they escape they get out of there for the time being uh little lola uh the best droid uh you know got got programmed to to be the worst droid 
um, but they get out of there. So that takes us to uh, part five, uh, which is Obi-Wan plans his next move as the Empire, closing in, tries to draw him out. Uh, Cassio, yeah. what do you... What do, you, what do you think? You you already jumped ahead to episode five, so you must have yeah. some thoughts. So so get into it. Let's yeah. hear it. Um, I think that this was a really good use of flashbacks. I think like everyone was expecting the Clone Wars and like maybe having an Ahsoka cameo, but that actually would have been fan service because this story isn't about uh the impact of the clone wars i would say that's more like jedi fallen order you know mm. that kind of story mm-hmm. or the bad batch this story kenobi um is about like the fallout of anakin and kenobi's relationship you know and you get to see like more of how they interacted as like master and padawan and even though like i guess Anakin became a knight and then a Sith Lord, like, they still have that master and learner uh, relationship, you know? And what I Mm -hmm. like is, like, you get to see Hayden Christensen in his epic, you know, leather Attack of the Clones uh, outfit, and you kind of just get hints of Padme in this series. uh, And, like, this is before Attack of the Clones, but he hangs out with Palpatine. I think he would know kind of the general direction where Padme lives. And it's like, he's kind of like looking afar off. Like it's like her ivory tower, you know, like it, he kind of puts her on a pedestal, you know? So I'm like, we got that hint. I was like, Oh, I love, love, you know, uh, or whatever that is. But, um, and then you get to see them fight and like, you get to see like their characters like Obi-Wan is more uh defensive plays the long game and Anakin's just kind of like brutal like just kind of trying to load it in kind of gets like gets aggressive they get back to back and uh flash forward to the epic rematch of the century in episode six you kind of see like sprinkled in this fight and the rematch like some repeated moves from that Mm -hmm. that fight and uh revenge of the sith so it's like they know each other like and their fighting styles like intimately and uh it they really know each other's personalities better than i think either knows the other yeah definitely definitely and yeah that uh kind of kind of flashback duel we see is, you know, kind of cut in over top of, um, you know, Reva and the the stormtroopers and all of them kind of pinning down this uh, little rebel cell that uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Leia are with there. Um, and you get some really, really great stuff. But um, let me uh, toss it over to you, Pete. What were your what were your thoughts about um, episode five? Did you like the way that the, the flashback was handled? We, you know, we assumed we were getting a flashback probably. That's, that's why you bring... Um, you know, Hagen Christensen back to, to reprise the role. So uh, what were your thoughts about that? And, you know, just kind of generally about the episode. I thought, um, you know, I actually was just making a ranking of uh, all the episodes. Um, and this one's right up there with uh, the finale. I think these final two brought the whole thing home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, it, it brings to mind of how, in my opinion, how poorly the book of Boba Fett did with um, 
using legacy characters. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's with how they used Luke and Ahsoka, I think uh it was it showed little restraint and kind of a Yeah. Yeah. Um, immaturity as a storyteller from it hurts me to say that but Filoni's moves kind of in that episode six with Luke and all that just it still it's too much it's just too much and it showed little yeah restraint and as a storyteller maybe I shouldn't say immaturity but restraint um because I, I do love Filoni and I think he's a great storyteller but anyway as I'm saying I think episode five used Anakin and Obi-Wan the flashback it was as you're saying Cassia like meaningfully it was the flashbacks were interspersed it's the same scene that's cut throughout the episode I thought the editing was done really well between the two characters and how they're kind of both ruminating I think on that duel I think that's how they're kind of showing it um uh, as the episode's progressing and the dialogue is important in the flashback. The overall outcome is important to the episode. It's actually very much important to episode six, as you were saying. So this these final two almost kind of work as like one film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, there was just some excellent things handled thematically. Um, that I... Uh, really appreciate it and this was this episode was written by andrew stanton who did finding nemo and toy story john carter yeah and john and yeah um he also did a a bunch of uh stranger things episodes oh and i think i think he directed and wrote some of the stranger things episodes but he was easily, I think, the best writer on the show, and I would argue that he saved the entire thing from kind of huh. being an being an okay series because the first up are pretty like a pretty good serviceable series from the first four episodes to a really good series or series because he did the last two episodes um, and how he used Reva, how he used Vader, he kind of brought home, he made Vader feel like Anakin, yeah, uh, <laughs> especially as interspersing those cuts like you really get the feeling oh that's anakin in that suit yeah and that's kind of the first time i felt that with vader on screen Mm -hmm. um besides like return of the jedi when his mask is off and all that um so i did yeah i really really liked it and i thought man this is yeah it's a i guess it's a fan service moment to have this flashback but it it served the story above the fan service and that's kind of what makes it work And I use Book of Boba Fett because it's just a recent example of how it didn't work and it didn't really serve the story there. Um, And this this did. So I I was very, very happy with episode five. I do have to say the use of Max Rebo in the Book of Boba Fett was perfect. So (laughs) legacy character. So that boosts it to to 10 stars. Um, (laughs) And no no Max Rebo in Obi-Wan Kenobi, so zero stars. Um, Yeah. Uh, yeah, the so the flashback it is is amazing. Um, it's and it's you know cutting back and forth uh, between it and it's basically serving as like a narration for what's happening um, in the episode and what's about to happen. Um, and then you get another just incredible 
moment with uh, Reva and Obi-Wan when they're kind of talking through that blast door and she's basically saying everything out loud that Obi-Wan has been playing in his head for, you know, the last decade that this is, this is all his fault. Why didn't he do more? Why didn't he protect them? You know, how could he let uh, Anakin fall to the dark side? So it's, you know, it's, it's putting out into words the things that he's been feeling. And like I said, that was one of the things that I really liked about the direction of this, this story It's even kind of above and beyond uh, what I'd, you know, kind of originally had in my mind and originally had, had hope for because you don't get things like that if it's you know really just a, a self introspective kind of a thing and then and then yeah i mean you get to you get to see darth vader you know kind of busting through there and uh pulling that shuttle down out of the sky which is uh which is pretty cool and they do star killer-esque uh, you know very star killer-esque that's right we got you had ray pulling pulling the the one down he, he didn't lightning it but they do make their escape at least for the time being and then uh that takes us into uh, part six, uh, the final episode here, Obi-Wan is drawn into a confrontation with Vader as Luke's fate hangs in the balance. So uh, Reva finds out that uh, Darth Vader's got a kid, Luke, on Tatooine. Um, Bale says that he's going to have to go and uh, watch him if you're <laughs> if you're still dealing with Leia, you know, <laughs> let me know. But we need to make sure that, that Luke's okay, too. So that sends uh, Reva off to, to Tatooine to enact her, her revenge on... Uh, Anakin takes something away from from him. Um, Obi Wan, they're they're running, but he knows that you know they they cannot run Darth Vader forever, so he's going to have to uh, go and face him. But uh, Episode Six, Pete, let's start with let's start with you. We're we're coming into the the conclusion, the final chapter here of this thing. Uh, take it away. Um, this episode I thought was was excellent. Um, I. I was very, very pleased with it. Um, I thought uh, kind of one thing there, going back to episode five really quickly, um, I thought Obi-Wan's character in that moment was very much um, a la Luke Skywalker in, in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole actually scene on Jabim very much reminded me of the crate um, seen in The Last Jedi, you know, they're breaking down the door, Obi-Wan comes out to, you know, negotiate and kind of sacrifice himself to, you know, um, save the rest of the the rebels. Um, and that kind of, it continues over into episode six, where he, where he does it again, when they're on the run, and they're going to get inevitably picked off by Vader and the Star Destroyer. Um, and again, you know, he offers himself up. But it, but and then in this one, it's much more of a. It is a selfless thing. He does want to protect Leia, obviously, but it's also this is a, like Roken tells him, "You, this is something you have to do." Like this, like he sees him. Like this is a. Not only is he doing this for them, but this is a very personal thing that he just has to do. Mm -hmm. Um, which also kind of goes back to Luke facing Kylo in The Last Jedi. It's like this um, very personal motive. Yes, he's saving everyone, but also this is, you know, he teach him one final lesson type thing. Um, and I thought, 
I thought the duel on it, apparently it wasn't Jabim and it's another moon hmm. of of Jabim. I I thought it was. I thought they just went back to Jabim, but apparently it's a moon. Um, and it's one of those really frustrating things to where it's another unnamed planet. Yeah. Um, or moon in this case. Um, I don't know. I thought it should have just been Jabim, but um, I thought the location was. It was fine. Um, it was, again, this kind of goes back to my uh, overall issue of the production quality being kind of my least favorite aspect of the show. Um, I think um, I think the volume showed its limitations yeah. in the series. <laughs> I think it's kind of not all that it's cracked up to be all the time. I think... Uh, especially how it's kind of like Favreau and all of them like try to be like well the volume like this is the future this is the future type of thing but when you it a lot of the times it looks very um muddled um the colors don't really pop off and and it just kind of seems very yeah it, um low contrast and very dark the lighting isn't that great and i think it all kind of just depends on the uh, the cinematographer you have yeah. <laughs> um, because with Greg Frazier was kind of one of the first cinematographers to work on it. And he, you know, he did Rogue One, Dune, the new Batman, and actually even used the volume for Batman, some of those skyline shots of Gotham. Yeah. But but he knows how to use it, um, I think, and its limitations. But it just looked kind of in the duel. I think they built, I actually saw a picture, I think they built a set too, but it's... um. It just doesn't, it just, you can't really match the scale of the prequels um, using the volume. No. Um, or the films in general. You can't really match it. And that being said, I thought the duel was done very well um, for, within circumstances. I thought uh, the choreography was a lot better here. It's a, it's kind of its own thing. Like, I'm kind of for Star Wars lightsaber choreography constantly changing yeah <laughs> um the originals has its own where it's more of like they're they more like long swords like kind of like i think lucas's intention was that the lightsabers are actually really heavy yeah um and then the prequels it's more so this uh operatic flair mm-hmm. um for most part, the one like Duke, the Dooku duel in Attack of the Clones, I think is probably the weakest duel in all of uh, the films. Or wow. The shows, really. Okay. I, I mean, uh, I love Count Dooku, but it's fine. Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do love Count Dooku, but it, it's, I think it was, it's how that duel is shot in that movie is so strange to me. Yeah. Um, but most of the prequel duels are very operatic, and then in the sequels, it's more visceral. Um kind of a it's high paced that type of thing kind of a blend of the prequel and a original trilogy but it's still very much its own thing yeah and then um so kind of obi-wan having its own type of choreography here too was i thought it was interesting um mm-hmm. it's it it has a consistency throughout the show but it's just like again it doesn't it's very much this is specific to the show to me, it felt very much kind of like a 
like a natural progression. Like if, you know, 10 years later from the battle of the heroes that, you know, this is kind of where they would have both been physically, um, Mm -hmm. and and Vader kind of adapting to his body. And then, you know, you go another, you know, eight, 10 years after that and you get to, to what you had in a new hope. So it felt to me kind of, kind of like this, kind of like this mashup, but it, it, it felt like it could kind of like stepping stone in between, you know, the, the prequels and the original, uh, trilogy kind of where they would have, like I said, been kind of, kind of physically and, and things like that. Yeah. So I did think the duel was done very well and I thought it, uh, it mirrored as Brian was saying earlier, the, I think both Brian, Cassie, you guys were saying, the um, the flashback scene in, episode five where obi-wan or anakin thinks he's come out victorious and obi-wan is able to best him against all odds type of thing um and how anakin's need for victories um his undoing um and he gets arrogant um and it, it ties into you know their next meeting in a new hope to where you know he was still the learner at this moment when he's just throwing all those rocks walks away doesn't finish he he feels so proud of himself and then obi-wan comes back to best him um and i thought that was just a a good connection connective tissue and i thought um the final when his mask is cleaved off um or half of it that that Hayden mixed with James Earl Jones. I thought that was just, that was done really well. And yeah. It was a heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment. But um, yeah, there's a lot I could more I could say, but I just want to kind of more focus on that. But I thought the Vader and Anakin stuff here was done very well. Yeah. And what I liked about the setting for the duel is like, you know, in episode three, like in case you didn't know, it takes place on a lava world. Mustafar, there's lava there, but um uh, in this episode, I almost think it's like they're fighting in hoodoos, I think, which is like, I, if there's any geologists out there, like, let me know. I'm probably going to get something wrong. Uh, but kind of like how I think hoodoos are formed, it's like, it's like you have a lava field, like, dammed up, but then, like, it gets released and then it kind of, like, some of it like drops to the ground and then like uh like wind and water kind of erode it so you kind of get like hoodoo little things so i was like oh it's Mm kind of like a a lava field but like you know kind of like an evolution of that so it's kind of like that's how i interpreted it uh is like it's kind of the evolution like it's 10 years later it's like 10 million years later or something. I don't know. Like I'm not a geologist, so I probably got that wrong, (laughs) but, um, so I thought it was an interesting setting and, uh, it was interesting to see Obi-Wan kind of like literally get trapped by kind of like the weight of his past, like by Anakin, like he still Mm -hmm. has those weaknesses, but I think he finds his old strength and kind of finds some new strength, you know? And, at the beginning of the duel, like, at first I was like, oh, here they are, just quoting episode three. But I'm like, they're still kind of the same people. They are, they still are kind of grappling with that. And when Obi-Wan does his, like, pointing with two fingers and, like, kind of like the thing he did to General Grievous, 
I was like, he's still kind of shaking off the last uh, vestiges of uh, General Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan, you know? He's not quite Ben yet, but at the end of this uh, series, I think he's Ben, and uh, in Rebels, you know, when he fights Maul, he kind of knows to kind of cycle through, like, things from his past, like, he's able to let them go. Maul and Anakin Mm -hmm. can't really let go, you know? Uh... So it's kind of like Kenobi learned to evolve uh, and grow. Anakin kind of like, I think he does grow, but it's more like he's kind of letting his uh, defeats at the hands of Obi-Wan define him and like kind of like, so maybe he isn't really... If he is learning, he's learning the the wrong lessons, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, maybe I'm just bringing way too much to this, but I think it's in the writing, and it's really good. Um, but I'm trying to, like, I have a little thing in notes that I'm going to try to condense and kind of tie together really well, but I was never really good at gift-wrapping things, so <laughs> we will see. It is interesting, though, because Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin slash Vader's, their beginning, middle, and end points are basically known in their stories. And I think Kenobi did what it, it could without contradicting too much of episode three or four, you know? Um, you can't just kind of have an epic series. You have to think about, like, the character beats, the symbolic beats, you know, and canonical uh, implications, and it kind of reminds me, uh, in episode 100, we talked uh, with Alex Kane, who wrote uh, the Boss Fights book, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, and he's talking, he talked about how Bioware was given the choice to adapt something related to episode 2, or something 4,000 years ago, and... They decided to go with the story 4,000 years ago, you know, KOTOR, because it gives them more freedom. They don't have to, like, conform to, like, the story, you know, like, episode two, and, like, with Mm -hmm. 4,000 years ago, you can do anything, which is kind of why, like, I think, like, you kind of have to have foil characters like Reva, who... um, kind of go through an arc where Vader really can't go through much of an arc, you know? Uh, but Reva's kind of reflected in... Um, or Anakin's reflected uh, through Reva, you know? And I like that for once in Star Wars we kind of got a living atonement, you know? Because um, <laughs> some people are like, we've gotten that, like, with these characters and I'm like yeah but then they die like right after so it's not really living atonement (laughs) and it's just kind of funny but uh I'm gonna quote Hooney Hooney's tweet and it and it says the same MFs that hated on Reva and Quizzy surviving being stabbed were ride or die for Galen Merrick doing the exact same thing and mic drop (laughs) you know uh yeah Getting stabbed, 
symbolically, I think it just means like when she was a child, like she went through like trauma uh, and just stuff she didn't know how to deal with, like like ultimate uh, betrayal. She saw people die in front of her. Um, and it's just interesting. Uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase Yay from our Discord. Uh, that, And they say, uh, personally, I find it interesting, like, close roots, different outcome stories. Those are interesting, like, with Anakin and Reva. We don't know mm-hmm. what happens next for her. There's a potential story there. Uh, and you see that, and... Uh, she lost everything, turned to the dark side, and whenever anyone turns to the dark side, but it's like, but I'm gonna, like, hold back and not, like, go full dark side, like, they turn to the dark side, and, like, it brings her to the same situation that, like, kind of put her on that path, like, standing above a child, ready to commit, like, the unthinkable act, like, she's above Luke, like, wanting to kill him, like, Vader doesn't even know that's his kid, you know? And mm-hmm. she's like, I, I want to have revenge. But then she sees herself, like, in Luke. And it was like, oh, that, like, that hit hard. Um, and she was kind of brought to a similar place, faced with the same decision. But she makes a different choice. And I think we've kind of reached the apotheosis of, like, rule-the-world villain in Star Wars with Emperor Palpatine. And I'm a fan of villains who are battling their past and insecurities. It's more relatable to me. And, mm-hmm. like, I, from the very beginning, like, I just loved Reva, like, everything about it. Uh, and, like, when she, like, gets stabbed again, people are like, how did she survive? And I was like, look at it symbolically. Her wound isn't healed. It was reopened. And, uh she reacts like you know by like trying to reenact what happened to her and i was like uh, there there are lessons to learn here and reva makes the correct decision in the end uh i don't think her story is over and it touched me mm-hmm. yeah like like you said she she definitely has the character arc here in the story because uh, like you like you said Cassia, you know obi-wan and Vader can't really have character arcs because we we know where they started, we know where they they ended. Um, so for them, it was just kind of you know coming to terms with you know the last you know decade of their lives. And you see that with Obi Wan, he's able to kind of kind of let go and forgive himself there in that moment where you know where he's trapped under those rocks and and raises them up. And you know uh, Darth Vader, Anakin, you know, is kind of kind of on the the opposite side of that. He accepts that. Um, you know, that it wasn't Obi-Wan's fault that he went that way. It was, it was his fault. He was the one that, you know, that killed Anakin uh, Skywalker. Um, So yeah. And the fight, the fight was great. As you guys uh, talked about, Um, I loved the, the parts with uh, Owen and Beru. Mm. Um, That's kind of one of my, one of my favorite parts now. It's we've gotten a little (laughs) bit uh, from both of them and, you know, some different uh, media, you know, through the years now. Um, and I love every time we see anything that, you know, has to do with either of those characters because it completely changes the way that you see them 
in the original trilogy then, uh, which yeah. I think is is pretty great because, you know, it was just, you know, grumpy Uncle Owen and, you know, Aunt Brew with her blue milk. That was that was it from ni- like 1977 until, you know, just very recently. But now you are looking at them through like an entirely uh, different filter. And I think that that, that stuff um, is absolutely great. I liked um, kind of that little uh, character moment with uh, Haja, uh, you know, where Obi-Wan's, you know, basically you know, trusting him. And he's like, you know, even though, you know, I'm a, a, a liar and a crook and Obi-Wan's like, you know, sometimes that's good enough. And, um, I really liked that kind of stuff. And yeah, I thought that it was an excellent kind of, kind of little, uh, little bow on the, the package that was, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that kind of takes us through, I guess the, the six episodes and, you know, we're, we're getting on in time a little bit, but I wanted to, to just kind of, just generally speaking, I know we talked about, you know, kind of some bits and pieces from each of the episodes, but was there anything else, you know, from the series that you, that you really liked or you were really drawn to, or, you know, any of the the characters or actors or anything that you didn't particularly care for? Um, you know, cause, you know, cause everything's not, you know, not all praise and, and not all negativity. There's, you know, there's always things we could, could improve upon or, or look back on and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of reimagine. But uh, let's start with you, P. Anything, just kind of general thoughts, takeaways, um, any highlights, uh, what, whatever um, you have to say about uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, I guess. I thought uh, I was gonna, yeah, I wanted to touch on like Reva again with her final moments. It's just people complaining about her getting surviving two stab wounds, just kind of refusing to look at it. What it means um, mythically, I think. Um, within the overall structure is that when she first is um, stabbed by Anakin when she's a Padawan that's a that is a certain death of the character um, but in that death the you know the next Reva is born type thing like now she is consumed by anger and hatred and grief um, which leads her to become you know this inquisitor um, embracing the dark side and then when she is stabbed again by Vader it's another death of self um, and that's when she becomes you know that starts the renewal even though in like the next episode she's hunting Luke you know it. she's very conflicted and it all culminates when she just can't stoop to the level that Anakin did um, and get her revenge by killing the only family um, Vader has um, because Vader killed the only family she had, She, but she still can't stoop to that level. Um, which I thought was very um, thematically strong um, and well-written. And I really just really appreciated the thought put into her character. I thought she was going to commit like seppuku with her saber in the desert or something. Um, but I'm I'm glad they didn't choose the cl- cliche of the re- redeemed character killing themselves or getting killed. or getting killed or sacrificing themselves or something like that. Yeah, I just think that's just a tired Star Wars trope. Um. And I'm really happy they didn't go go that route because, in my opinion, it allows for a much more interesting story to be told. It shows 
growth, I think, is the storytellers of Luke's film because it's just like this is what should have happened with Ben in The Rise of Skywalker, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was just really, really happy to see that she survives it. So that would be one thing, I one of my biggest takeaways from the show. Um, and also, can't forget to mention Owen and Luke, or Owen and Baru. I just absolutely loved what they did with them in episode six. And it would have been cool to see more Baru throughout the series, but the little moments we got of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, was really cool just seeing her take action like that. And it recontextualizes the two characters in A New Hope. And I'm glad we've moved away from the Owen who's a... <laughs> yeah, grumpy and kind of just a terrible person to even Luke kind of there's like the journals of obi-wan or even he's just kind of a grumpy old man very cold to luke and i just yes he's a gruff old man but he he loves luke for, yeah he would do anything for him so i just think um that just that was really really good and th- that's where this show overall kind of ended here but this show i think actually enhances a new hope in many many ways mm-hmm. um and that was my biggest worry is that would cheapen the duel between Obi-Wan and Vader. But it actually, I think it adds a lot to the story. Um, and it works, in my opinion. Um, I think it adds to, obviously, Obi-Wan and Leia's um, relationship. And that means a lot more now. And I think... Uh, it even just kind of adds to Leia naming her son Ben. Yeah, it, quite, it si- means quite more. significant. Yeah, that means because I'd always kind of like I was fine with it, and I thought it was you know it was just like a cool touch. She knew him for and five minutes. Okay. Yeah, but it's just like <laughs> it was like okay, Ben, that's cool. But now it just it canonically it has just so much more weight to it, and I like that type of storytelling to where it's just how can we make this mean more in a significant matter and it's not just like oh look service. at this little yeah this little touch we have like it i re- recontextualize it and it has this new meaning type thing no it's like this actually has significant this is good storytelling that adds to the story so i'm very overall there's i have my problems with the show but i think it uh it stuck the landing yeah my biggest problem was no max rebo so <laughs> uh no I think it was just like I I was taken aback by uh, the production budget. I was like, uh, okay, because like when I think of Lucasfilm, I don't think of sloppy. I think of groundbreaking visual effects, and I was like, I don't know quite what happened there. I know everyone was trying their best, but like when we were on Alderaan, I was like, oh. Like, I literally think this is the back of a of a golf course. Like, I don't know. They're probably going to be, like, behind the scenes. And, like, it was not the back of a golf course. But I was like, wow, okay. But it was nice to see Owen and Baru uh, kind of just, like, like, they are locked and loaded. And I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> Baru's just, like, casually, like, we need to, like, protect Luke and like she just like gets a gets a gun <laughs> out of like the wall and is like oh wow wow okay and uh, they're loving uh, as a couple and with Luke and looking back on it I think just 19 like 19 year old Luke was like still playing with toys like ironically the toy that Kenobi gives him at the end you know 
I think mm-hmm. like Luke is just more of an immature like whiner baby who thinks he's destined for greatness, you know? <laughs> so like maybe that was kind of coming across like uh, Owen and Brew or being hard on him, but it's like maybe Luke, you need to like not be so dramatic and like kind of like the world doesn't revolve around you. Like I guess that's kind of what I uh, picked up, but uh, yeah. I, I do see a pattern in, like, Disney Plus storytelling where it's usually an older, uh, a person from the older generation protecting and teaching the young generation. That is Campbellian, but it, Campbellian could be any kind of story, you know, and mm. I just kind of wonder if Disney Plus is just relying a little bit too much on that because they're like, it worked with The Mandalorian, and I'm like... That's good, but not every show can or should be The Mandalorian. Uh, and, like, Reva's story was also Campbellian, so I think there's just... There's more ways to draw on mythic structure than I think they are, and I think Reva's story shows that very well. And I'm excited to see what happens. Like, not everything's going to be a slam dunk, but... I don't know. I love Star Wars. It's like the modern myth, you know? Like, I've always been drawn to myth, folklore, stories of heroes, tragedies, and like, I don't know. So for me, it's natural to kind of just love Star Wars and be drawn to it because it's kind of like the most easily, like, one for one, like, hero's journey ever. But. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Yeah, for me, just kind of my um, closing thoughts, just to, to bounce off of something you just said there, Cassie. I think that Obi-Wan Kenobi's story is just, is always that. It always needed to be him learning how to be the mentor that we see in A New Hope. And, you know, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you know, he's he's tasked with basically being the, the mentor and caretaker of uh, Luke Skywalker. So I think that this this story for him, I think was important because, you know, had, had we not had this adventure where he's, um, going with, with Leia and kind of learning those lessons, uh, he, he wouldn't know, he wouldn't have had those lessons, right? Like <laughs> Luke would have been uh, 18 or whatever. And he would have showed up and, you know, Ben would have been like, well, I don't know what to do. I've been, I've been tuned out for the last 20 years. Right. So, um, so I, I think that it was important from that, that standpoint, um, like you said, I, I could see him maybe kind of falling down that rabbit hole where all of those stories kind of go that way. But I, I feel like this one has always had to go that way. So I guess that that makes sense. We'll have to see what they do um, in the future. Um, this story gave us two new droids for me to love, which is pretty great. Got Ned B, got Lola. So that's good. Um, always love getting uh, new droids in Star Wars. Um, I really liked uh, Rupert Friends. Uh, portrayal mm. of the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, if you don't like that his head wasn't tall enough, uh, that that's fine. I guess no one can convince you that that's fine otherwise. But I loved his uh, delivery. I loved his accent. I loved uh, kind of the dialogue that was written for him. I thought that he did awesome. Uh, really liked that. Of course, uh, Vivian Lyra Blair, who played Lola, I thought that she was excellent yeah. uh, throughout, which is a daunting challenge for, uh, you know, a, a child actor or any actor to to play 40 a, plus know, year old s- character you know someone like that yeah someone that's so 
someone that's so beloved. So, uh, you know, hat, hats off to her. I thought that, that she did excellent. And, um, yeah, just to kind of reiterate what, what I said at the, at the start, this, the show was you know, far and away better than anything that I had imagined in my own head. I absolutely loved it. I thought that it was great. Um, you know, there were some flaws. There's always flaws and everything. Uh, yeah. Nothing is ever perfect for sure. But but I think that the story that it told was um, was fantastic. And like I said, better than, you know, kind of the, the story that I had in my own own head for it, which is which is always nice. And I try not to put too much kind of pressure or emphasis on the way that I feel about things because I'm not the one telling the story. Deborah mm-hmm. Chow and the writers were the ones telling it. Um, it and she did a, a fantastic job with it, I think. So, um, yeah, really, really liked it. So, um, any, uh, any parting thoughts from you, uh, oh. Pete or Cassia before we wrap up? One final thing is I can't forget to mention Qui-Gon. That, oh, that yeah. Made <laughs> that made my, it made my, uh, made me very happy. He's one of my favorite characters. And I just, I was like, oh, wow. I just completely forgot to mention Qui-Gon. Yeah. That was, that was a cool moment. And funny enough, the ending of the show kind of sets up the show I wanted from the beginning and that of uh, Obi-Wan communing with Qui-Gon through the desert. But yeah. who, knows if, who knows if we'll get that or not. I would actually be open to it just to get more Liam Neeson. Yeah. yeah. Love Liam Neeson. Yeah, we, we did almost forget about that. And I wanted to, wanted to, uh, to mention it. And when I was watching the show, you know, real time, like it gets to the end. Uh, you know, Obi-Wan goes, he, and he says hello there to Luke. I'm like, I'm like, man, they did not get, they did not get Liam Neeson back for this thing. He did, he is not showing up, but then he did. So yeah, so it was very, very glad. I was, I was worried there for a second that, that yeah. it totally wasn't going to happen, but. I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you guys are ending on positivity and that I'm going to be like, well, actually I was kind of insulted by that. It, like, to me, it kind of felt a little bit more like a robot check-in, like, kind of addition I don't know it kind of just felt a bit random to me I was I had expectations of an epic moment that was spiritual with tears Mm. and a glorious reunion like there was like a a shot of like Kenobi in a cave and there was like a blue light and I was like oh we're getting our Moses Moshe moment with like all of the burning bush and then it's like sup Kenobi we're going to be talking more in the future. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that's totally mythically it, significant, but okay. <laughs> it could have been, uh, that's what I guess one of my gripes with the show. Um, I think he should have been, I think, uh, Qui-Gon should have been shown up in like episode three and should have been a pretty significant character throughout, but oh, well. No, I, um, I actually, I actually like that he didn't show up until the end. Um, I think that 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 created for a more interesting dynamic that you know he kept reaching out for him, mm. um, you know, and similar similar to what happens in the Kenobi uh, novel there um, too. But I, I like that he kept reaching out for him and he wasn't there, and it, and that's just how Qui Gon is, right? He would just show up and be like, "What what what's the deal? Let's go," <laughs> you know. So so I I could definitely see where you where you know something something more emotional and something more grandiose but then on the on the flip side of that i could totally just see qui-gon just showing up and being like i don't what's what's the big deal let's <laughs> let's yeah. get on with it so yeah so all in all too long didn't listen no max rebo zero out of ten so 
Yeah. Zero out of 10. Well, you know who is a 10 out of 10? That is our guest, Pete, a.k.a. Plo Cool. So, uh, Pete, thank you so much for coming on and talking Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, with us. We are going to be doing a a double double header with Pete, back-to-back weeks. So, talking Obi-Wan Kenobi, talking Brotherhood and... You know, you were kind enough to come and hang out and talk uh, talk this great character with us for quite a while now. So why don't you tell everyone listening out there where they can find you online, where they can where they can where they can tell you how good your reviews are. You know, all that all that good feedback <laughs> you always get. Um, so you can find me at Plo Double Underscore Cool with a K on Instagram, where I post um, all kinds of Star Wars content. Um, with a more analytical approach yeah definitely and definitely make sure you go uh give uh plo cool a follow because it's always good it's always insightful um on the the projects the books and tv shows and all of that stuff and we have a lot of tv shows headed our way we've got uh Cassie and Andor series which i'm super looking forward to we've got bad batch coming back we have a slew of new books the new uh, High Republic wave will be coming out, you know, before you know it. So lots of good stuff out there. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and make sure you are following Plo Cool on Instagram. But Cassie, I think that I think that does it for Obi Wan Kenobi. We did we did a we did an episode about the poster for Obi Wan Kenobi on our YouTube, and now now we've talked about the series, and and now it's over, I guess. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe there will be season two or. There's always great uh, shows coming in our f- in the future. It's, I'm very excited for Andor. It looks to be epic. It could like there could be drama and uh, mm-hmm. just like espionage uh, and tales of the Jedi. Like I don't know. There's a whole lot to look forward to. So thanks again for coming and talking with us. Uh, it. it it always we always end up like really uh going in depth but then it feels like it's it's like a quick uh discussion and it, it can't last long enough but uh now we're we're to the end and we hope you guys enjoyed listening and may the force be with you Public podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Older Public Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Older Public Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>